everybody. This is Belgarid and Beyond, the show where we explore magical reality through fiction, chapter by chapter. And we've begun with the Belgarid series of books by David Eddings. Welcome to season three, episode 16. This season, we're reading book three, Magician's Gambit. And today we're diving into chapter 15. My name is Sandra Turnbull. I am from the Goddess Kindled Universe. I direct magical stuff over there and I am also an author fantasy author lots of magic and myth and feminine spirituality thrown in the mix and I'm Elise Yesimar uh, also a fantasy author though mine is much darker than all of that usually <laughs> um, yeah Welcome to the show, everyone. So uh, something came to me just as I was introducing. Uh, oh, I belong to um, a couple of Facebook groups mm-hmm. um, about the, the David Edding, like David Edding's fan groups. Yeah. Books. And there was a post on there about the titles of the books that we're reading this yeah. series and how they're all related they're all chess related it has never occurred to me before they're all chess related <laughs> porn of prophecy queen of sorcery uh yeah. three magician's gambit mm-hmm. uh castle of wizardry they're like it's and <laughs> And it's not just the titles. As we get like further into the series, can't say anything about it now. But like, there's more chess connections. But I'm like, I'm just, oh my god, the titles never occurred to me. Mind blown. Yeah, I wouldn't have either. Huh? I wouldn't have picked it up. I'm not a chess. I'm player. not a big. I'm not. Yeah. I don't. What? Well, I don't know how to play. I had at one point for like a year, I played here and there with somebody, but, and they had taught me, but haven't played. Did you? Yeah. Was Were you any good? I always lost though. I always <laughs> lost. And I didn't like that. I don't like losing on board games. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, it was, it was also, just, I don't know. It was just the tension in the game. And then it was always like, I thought I'd win and then I didn't. And that's uh, the challenge, isn't it? That's the enjoyable, the detention. Mm-hmm. Mm, not yeah. for you. Mm-mm. Cause it's a mind. It's like a mind game a lot. Like you got to use your mind to figure out patterns and stuff. And I wanted to prove that I could do it once and actually win, but no, no, never happened. <laughs> Um, no, I don't win games like that. Yeah. I, I don't well, even generally win checkers. <laughs> I haven't played checkers in a long time. But I used to love Chinese checkers. Did you play that one? Oh, yeah. I used to play that when I was a kid with the marbles and the stars going out. Like I'm the pretty good at Chinese checkers. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, that was fun. Oh, Sorry. Yawning. Already. So, Shit. 
You want to share what was in your cup this week? Oh, yes, that's right. We have a show. Okay, so. <laughs> in my, in Pogara's cup, my potion is a pot of hot, sweet tea to share. That's why I have a pot. Because um, I'm, I'm back on track with my business uh, stuff. I've been scheduling things today. Um, I've worked out that I have far less time left on this planet to write books than I realised, actually. Um, so I've uh, opened up my writing room again, which is I used to do, I did for a while, a year ago, actually. Oh, my God, it's a year ago already. Last time NaNoWriMo was on, I created a, a group for people who wanted to do writing every day, like yeah. to keep each other company while we wrote. Wow, it's a year ago now. Um, anyway, so I haven't opened that group again. I've just contacted a, a writing uh, fellow author privately and said, hey, do you want to get on a call every morning? Because I write in the mornings. Mm -hmm. um, my, my calendar tells me I write in the mornings. I haven't been writing in the mornings, though, not really. <laughs> so oh, I God. want to get some mm -hmm. words on paper. So I'm not studying tomorrow. We're studying tomorrow. That's good. Yes. I totally forgot it was nano month. It didn't even cross my mind. I got so caught up in election month that I was like, um, oh yeah okay so, yeah well I don't even god whatever that's I know I don't really care like I'm gonna say it, I really don't care because I know that life is deeper than who is president of the United States this is true um, and so whoever wins we're still waiting to find out is who wins and I'll deal with it mm -hmm. but um the other thing you brought up you said you said you don't you realize you don't have that much time left to write books did you listen to that episode of sterling and stone or the story studio remember uh, I, I sent it to you i was like you should listen and you already knew about the lady oh becca um, yeah yeah becca i'm actually uh I listen, i've been listening to her i listened to her podcast for a while now the Quitcast. yeah and um she's great amazing a beautiful beautiful soul Mm -hmm. And so I've actually become a patron of hers. Oh, nice. Because I really get so much value out of what she shares and what she teaches. And sure. I'm just like, yep, that's the, that's the kind of community I need. I want to be part of to support yeah. my writing career, my yeah. career as an author. That's the kind of community and energy I want to be around. So I've become a patron. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was on the episode where the Story Studio guys interviewed her on their show that they talked about, like, I think she was the one saying it, like, let's say, you know, they're all like, in their 40s, too, I think, or maybe yeah. a little higher. Yeah, and yeah, so, she did say that. And I'm like, wow, there's no way about, that I want to be writing when I'm 90, because I'm nearly 50. <laughs> and they said, you know, 50. Oh, sorry, you, I interrupted. I totally interrupted you. Go ahead. It's okay. No, I was going to say the same thing. So you, <laughs> but yeah, they're just talking about like, we'll say you're, you're 50, for example, and then you probably have a good 20 more years of writing before you probably will slow No, she down said 40. Or... She said 40, right. 
because she was saying, assuming you would write all the way till your death, which most, <laughs> which most writers did. probably will. Yeah, they probably he, will, but they might stop publishing yes, at a certain point true, and just true, write true. for themselves. True, true. For their own mental as they grow. Yes. And, and but I mean, if you're going to write them, you may as well publish them. Let's <laughs> face it. But yeah, so, that's what I was exclaiming about. Like, I don't want to be writing and publishing books when I'm 90, <laughs> right. but maybe I do. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's good. You got a, a buddy to start getting back into it with. But yes, so she's, um, yes, I've listened to a few podcasts lately, that being one of them, that I've gone, yep, I'm going to get my shit sorted out and sort of start looking at this again. Because I haven't, I haven't had a proper schedule for a year, for over a year. I look, I went back into this the last time I was, um, I had a plan like my publishing um, schedule, none of it got done this year. Fucking none of it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, expletive, expletive. <laughs> none of it got done. Like very, like very, none of the writing goals. I'm like, yeah, bugger that. This is ridiculous. I've got a limited amount of time. And I've got so many ideas. I need to get this stuff written. Yeah. I know how that feels. <laughs> so, but yeah, but like, like looking at it on a sheet, very few lines, very few lines on this freaking sheet with all of the ages and the years and the, like the amount of stuff that I could possibly get done in that time. And what I'm learning how to do is to not overschedule myself, which I am historically renowned for over committing mm-hmm. and then not being able to get it done, being overwhelmed, stopping. Yeah. And so I'm being very deliberate and just putting in there like a very, um, I think doable, but just like, yeah, not too much. It's like the other day I sat down, like, I really don't want to write today, but I know if I don't do it today, I won't do it at all this week. And so I just sat down and I got like 400 words or something. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be extremely proud of myself for that because I was about to write nothing. Instead, I wrote 400 words. <laughs> exactly. It's something. Exactly right. So, so yeah, so I'm um, back on track, feeling good, ready to share my pot of tea with my friends author friend tomorrow morning 9 a.m that sounds fun <laughs> what's in your potion um, my cup is pumpkin latte with almond milk because i am dairy free <laughs> but um there were a lot of halloween festivities for the kids friday was the trunk or treat at their school which i volunteered for and i was there four hours standing on my feet Passing out candy to everyone that drove by. I'm so thrilled. And um, I came home and had a headache. Aww. Fell asleep, woke up. It was Halloween. Our friends came over for lunch to barbecue. Then I left, took the girls to their friend's house. We spent the whole evening there till nine o'clock. They actually got to go trick or treating, which was really cool. The neighborhood that her friend lives in is a nice neighborhood. 
everyone was social distancing, passing out their candy, or they would have creative ways for the kids to get it. Mm-hmm. So they still got tons of candy. But then I'll tell you, Sunday I got up and um, I was wiped all that day, Sunday. I had a headache the whole day. Just did I just wanted to sleep. And I realized I had way, way too much social interaction. I'm not a socially interactive person. I thrive mm-hmm. when I'm alone. Mm-hmm. had too many people around me. I had to talk to too many of them and uh, it just caught up to me. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've still been dealing with some stress headaches this week. I had one yesterday, pretty bad. And today it's been a little bit still kind of lingering. But I also feel that some of that, not just due to the socialization I had, I think some of it was also due to, and I knew it as I was starting to do it. I'm like, see, see what this brings. Um, related to the cryptocurrency I was talking about last week, the original thing with it, I had tried to maybe start using Facebook again for it for a little bit my body was like, nah, remember, remember what we said. And so I started just, I could feel my head as I was looking on Facebook and stuff. And I was just like, forget this, you know, but what was interesting is once I decided I, I didn't want to do that specific path, being part of a group is what it is. You're part of this group and you like kind of grow as more people come in with you and stuff. And I just, I don't want to be marketing. I don't want, I'm not marketing, but I don't want to be no, no, you looking, were, you were. looking for people. Like mm. I used to look for clients. It's the same yep. thing. It's exactly except the I'm same not, thing, folks. Except <laughs> I'm not asking them to pay me in any way. They don't pay me anything. I'm just I'm like, Hey, this is awesome. Like come start doing it. But still, I don't want to do that. So what happened though, as soon as I decided like, no, I'm, I'm just not going to do this. Somebody contacted me because I was on Facebook. Somebody on Facebook contacted me. They're in the cryptocurrency world, but they're a trader. They, they've learned how to trade themselves. And apparently there's this whole like thing where you can learn how to be a trader and make your own money on your own terms without having to talk to anybody. And I'm like, this is awesome. How do I do this? And so now he's helping me get started with that. Um, And I'm really excited because now I can just look at graphs and stuff. And it got me really excited because it started reminding me of the story grid. I don't know if you've ever used the story grid. You love the story grid. To actually grid your story. Like I nerded out over that moment. I was like, this is the best thing ever. My my story was on a grid and it's going the ups and downs. I I still haven't done it, but I suspect that I might love it from listening to you talk about it. (laughs) yeah and so when I when I first got into this trading thing and I started watching the videos that kind of just talk about what it is and stuff I'm like he started talking about trading is storytelling you're telling a story and I'm just like I'd already <laughs> I had already decided this is gonna be the story grid but for money I have the story grid for my story and I have this one for money and that's exactly it's what be, it is it's gonna be just as fun I'm gonna have so much fun doing this and then he went and said it and I'm like this is meant to be. This is just, I can just make my money by looking at stories on a graph, figuring them out, making the right moves. And then there's the money, you know, there you like, go. I mean, it's, you gotta, you gotta learn a little bit, yeah. but for me, I learned that stuff super quick. I know numbers really well. And, um, 
honestly, I think that the charts for cryptocurrency, just watching them and how they unfold and all that is fascinating. Mm -hmm. So it just feels aligned to me. It felt like the universe kind of said, okay, good. You listened. Here you go. And this person just came to me out of nowhere and just started talking to me. And of course I talked to them for a while. I asked a lot of questions and I'm like, what, you know, how, and all of this. And he was very, very helpful, he answered everything. And so, um, it's super easy to get into it. I'm already starting it now. And I'm just really excited because <laughs> I'm like, I have the answer. This is my answer. I don't have to go you back actually to the job. Happy. I am. I don't have to go back to a job now. I don't have to worry about running any kind of business. I can just do this, like tell stories, like literally in my novels and now tell stories on this chart. And it's really about having intuition. Mm -hmm. It's trusting your intuition. And I know I have guidance. So I know that I can make this successful because I don't sit there and, and get lost in fear and doubt about like, what if I do it wrong or something? I just feel like, no, I'm, I'm going to intuitively know what's right. And I won't doubt it. I'll just go. And yeah, there'll be some losses, but that's just part of, it's part of being a, a trader, I guess. Well, I'm looking forward um, to hearing more about this story. Yeah. Next so chapter, really light up. Yep. So that's, that's pretty much been my week. Um, let's talk more about the other stuff in my um, prophecy mm. speaks but still like finding you know finding healing for my body is mm -hmm. something I'm also doing but yeah that's a whole other thing so what is Garion's view this week this week they have some time to heal from their battle with what is his name rule yes and uh, so they spend some time in this little hideout in the trees. But then uh, they go up, start going further up the mountain, and then they actually see Prolgu up there. So they climb up and go in. It's a pretty cool, like, abandoned city with some geometric designs from the sounds of it and, and a really cool cave opening. <laughs> so I'm excited to see what's under the cave, but yeah. And that's basically chapter. That is basically the chapter. It's a very short chapter. It is. Last week's was pretty short too. Mm -hmm. We're talking with one of our patrons this afternoon. Um, oh, right. The reference to yeah, World of Warcraft. We're talking, yeah, we were, yeah, we were talk about, talking to Jessica um, on Patreon about Gruul and yeah the you know because we were talking last week about how we imagined him and she was saying she has always imagined gruel as looking like the ogres in world of warcraft mm -hmm. and so i um i actually googled <laughs> i googled world of warcraft ogres and there's this really cool um yeah, horrible who, who and the picture i found is actually kind of like sexy looking for an ogre i guess but <laughs> the, in my head like uh, so often when i imagine the, the characters as i'm reading the books it's still my original visualizations like 
from way back when I first read them, like when I, in my teens. And, and Gruel doesn't look so scary. He looks a little bit hmm, like ridiculous, I suppose, like not a scary fantasy figure, like a very childish, innocent sort of version of that character. But the way he's described in the book, he's actually pretty fierce mm-hmm. and really scary and vicious. Yeah. And so I found this picture. I'm like, yeah, that, that's, that's, that looks like the girl of my adult imagination, you know? It was really interesting. Did you see the link that she shared also with the picture? Um, I, tried to, I tried to click on it on my phone, but it didn't take me anywhere. You see? That's the one she... Stonewall or Ogre. Yeah. Are they the ones that have the spike on their head? I don't, this one does not, does not. But yeah, the the World of Warcraft ogres. If I can open this. I never played World of Warcraft. And oh, she also I see said, it. I she see also it. said that um, in the game of World of Warcraft, there's a place called Gruel's Lair. Yeah. In the game. With which a double, kind of with, with two U's in the word. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, so I like those sort of little Easter eggy kind of things, like little tributes mm-hmm. to. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, this one that 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 um, this one that Jessica linked uh, says Stone Stone Mall Ogre Gorgrond. He looks more like the one that I <laughs> imagined in my head. I think yeah. I found a sexy version. Course I do. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so, at the start of the chapter, they're um a little anxious with Dernick because he got knocked out and he's not really moving around. But Ampol is like, oh he'll be fine, just don't worry about it. Oh yeah, he's still yeah. unconscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and she, oh, where's the book? I'm sitting here like thinking there's something I'm missing. Here's the book. I haven't got the book open. And Garion is feeling the aftermath of him and Polgara doing their little stunt. Like he feels like he's been, Wasn't his strength has been wrenched from his body. And yes, they have a talk about it a little bit later. But then Mandrellen is kind of stuck in his armor because of the attack. And so Silken, I think it's Beric or Hetar. Hetar. So Hetar and Silk are trying, trying to, to cry get it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and I, I've always sort of tried to imagine like how, because it's like the, the, the breast plate. Is it the breast plate that's got the, yes. Yeah. So the, the, the breast plate, Mandrellen's breast plate has, a huge dent in it from his shoulder, one shoulder to the other hip, like a big crease. And uh, until I read this the first time, I hadn't really kind of thought about that kind of thing happening and how the armor fits on, but he must have like leather straps and buckles on these straps that hold the armor on. And because it's been creased, the buckles have been like really tight and pulled tight. And they, they're trying to 
they're trying to pry it off and he's like really doesn't want them to cut it because it's you know yeah it's hard to find the replacements and have it remade yeah i know so uh, out in the middle of nowhere how are they going to do that but they do get it off of him though yeah yeah so they get it off and mendelon's got some cracked ribs by the feel of it so the only people who came away uninjured were silk and heta and Mm -hmm. synedra Right. Well, unaffected, I should say, probably, from the encounter. Yeah. Yeah. But there's some clouds moving in. Silk observes, and he's like, we need to move out of here. We need to find a place to shelter because we'll freeze to death out here by the river. Mm -hmm. So him and um, Sinidra go off to look. She said she'd seen a place. They do, but before they go off, Silk goes over to Belgrave. And says, "Look, we need to get off this like this river. We're going to freeze to death." And um, Belgrath just says, "Leave me alone." Like, just he's really, really short and mutters. Polgara says, "Look, yep, yeah, just stay away from him for a while." And so then they go off. He they go off with Sinedra. Yeah, but they Silk goes with Sinedra. Which I really like, you know, because Sinedra's not really seen as very, I don't know, helpful. And like, <laughs> she just is kind of there and tagging along and making trouble mm-hmm. and annoying Garion and occasionally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. And she doesn't seem that adventurous either, like wanting to just go walk away with a random guy. To show Looks him not around, a random guy. I mean, to her. To nah. Her. Yeah, but we don't know because we haven't really had much to do with her and what she's thinking, have we? I mean, just the one, was it one chapter where we got her perspective? That's that was around the dryad with. stuff, was it? No, it was um, when they were parked outside of uh, the Salmistra's place. Or they were on the boat heading away from it. That's right. And she was sort of wondering. She was she, observing Gary in a lot. It gave us her picture of everyone. Yeah. yeah. So that's just kind of what I was going off of. She didn't strike me as like a, a very adventurous kind. Just kind of mm. more. But that could be different. Mm-hmm. It's just one perspective. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that, that was a while ago. And they've been through, I guess, to be adventurous sometimes we have to be shown what that looks like and she's learning yes that's true you know how to be resourceful and how to be part of a cooperative yeah Hmm. she's growing (laughs) she's growing and developing and maturing as Mm -hmm. we all do but yeah so off they go uh, Paul's like, yep, it's probably safe enough. Nothing is going to live in the same valley as an Eldrak. So <laughs> off you go. Mm-hmm. So Garion's worried about doing it because he's still unconscious. But uh, Paul's <coughs> like, yeah, just let him sleep because his head's going to really be pounding when he wakes up. <laughs> just don't worry yeah. about it. Well, I like the conversation they have next with Garion asks her who the other wolf was. And she says it was her mother. I say it, Polydra. 
And she says it was her spirit. She confirms it was her spirit. So he asks her, so like, you can do that then. You can raise, bring someone's spirit back or something. She says, not alone. You had to help me. And so he understands, or he's asking, is that why he feels so drained and tired and like he's been sucked to dry, basically? Because she's exhausted too. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, she confirms it. Like, yeah, it took everything we could do, both of us, to raise her back for that moment, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool magic to me. Very cool. Um, and she sort of sort of pushes any more questions away. She's like, I'm just too tired. I've still got things yeah. to do. And she's she's sort of doctoring all of the everyone's injuries and checking Mandra Allen and Barrack over. Silk and the princess come back and they found a really good little spot, sheltered, a little sheltered thicket in a ravine, has water and every everything. So they all just kind of gather up their stuff and head to the place that Sinatra's found. And I, it's fear, it seems like a really cosy spot actually. It's kind of inside a thicket and then inside the thicket there's some young pine trees and they're been pushed together by the trees surrounding them so they kind of form almost a dome mm-hmm. which feels really nice I, I like yeah. that yeah I wonder does it have to do with the fact that Sunidra says she's talking to the trees and she they told her the spot was there and she also promised them that their fire wouldn't do them any harm I wonder if they have some kind of agreement that, I think that even says it, the trees, um, oh, they promised to keep the wind off of us. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's like why that's there or it's just always that way. Yeah. The shelter, you know. That's a good thought. I don't, I've always kind of, I guess I've kind of always figured it was a bit of both. Like that's kind of how they grow, but because of the because it's described as they're pushed together because of this thicket around them but i also they're also described as draw as gary and senses them kind of drawing away when the fire is lit and then yeah. as they relax and understand that it's okay they kind of come back over the top so i think it's a bit mm-hmm. of both mm-hmm. but I, I love that um yeah it's a good little scene and um, she's so, so Sinedra's, you know, being very bossy and saying, okay, well, this is where you'll set the tents up and this is where you'll have the fire. You have to make sure all the ground's all clear because I've promised the trees that it'll all be safe and we'll take very good care of them. I gave them my word. And I, I like, there's a little interaction here. Heta, it says a faint smile flickered across Heta's hawk-like face. And I'm serious, she says, stamping her little foot. Of course, your highness, he replied, bowing. Now, I, I, I like that it's him that has this little interaction with her because he's the other one that is described as having the communication with the horses. Right. So yeah. I think this, because this has never been touched on before, although everyone knows that she's a dryad, it's never been spoken about, that she has any kind of um, um, extra sensory ability or... Um, you know, oh, I'm trying to think of the word. Well, it's like her. 
not supernatural, super, anyway, like beyond normal capabilities right. <laughs> or magic or anything. And so that he is discovering that she has this in her. I think he's like, oh, okay, there's something to you that I haven't seen. And that's, that's cool. So it's not just yeah. like a, a teasing her. It's like this little twinkle of, oh, okay, recognition maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I picked up on that too. <laughs> but they stay here in this protected area for three days. Mm-hmm. Just so everyone heals. Yeah, recuperate and eat some good food. <laughs> it's good. And then Garion approaches Aunt Cole because he's observed that Belgarath is still off on his own, kind of like not caring about anything, just mm-hmm. staring off into nothing is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. So she agrees um, and they go over to talk to him. Um, which was, this was a cool interaction, I thought, with Polgara, the way she talks to him. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like she actually reasons with, like she gets in and reasons with him because of his reactions. Um, so he's obviously, it's like he's, he thinks it was cruel that Polgara brought her mom back in spirit and, and as the wolf for some reason, like he's, he forgot that that was her true form, which Polgara reminds him of. Um, and then he asks like, how, how do you know that? How do you know what? That that was, her, well, I guess it's not that it was her true form, but, or is it that part? Yeah, that's the part that, that was like, a cool she, thing. He, she's, he says that was cruel and she says mother doesn't mind or something like that and he's like well how do you know yeah and she says that she is connected to her like um what are the words that she uses yeah he's like well you know how could you possibly know you would you died when she she died when you were born you never knew her and she's like well yeah i do I know her very well. I always have. Yeah. Um, and he looks confused at this point. So he's like, what do you mean? She's been with you all along. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. And she says, if you'd been paying attention, you'd have real- realized that she's never been gone. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting. She also says she had her, pl- her part to play in this just the same as the rest of us do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just it goes to show how closed off he's been about her for a really yeah. long time because Polgara's like 3,000 years old yeah and she's known her there the whole time she correct was, and she actually like knows her correct not just like I felt her presence. I know her. <laughs> yes, we have a relationship. We have whatever it is. We have a relationship. We have, and so that that she and Belgarath have never talked about it. That's something else. Mm-hmm. I've I've that was the only thing that ever struck me as 
I had to stretch myself to believe it. Like you would never talk to your father about your dead mother and the fact right. that you have a relationship, even though you're both sorcerer, you were, you know, she's a sorceress, he's a sorcerer, there's lots of magic shit going on. You'd never talk to him about that. There must be a reason why she never did. That's the only yeah. thing I could think of. It could be that maybe she was guided by her mom to not talk to him about it. That would make sense. But well, that would be really the only reason why, why she wouldn't, I think that her mother or a God or like she had been told not to. Yeah. Cause who knows how he would have handled, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, he seems to like right now, he seems to realize, like, oh shit. Like, <laughs> oh shit. Right. It's like, yeah, oh, I was, it's like I you, was just too closed off and she could have been with me this whole time if I just had opened well, you, it. You know what I, what I see when he does say it's like, he looks, because it says he looks a bit guilty <laughs> and I see him going, oh shit, all the things I've done. And she's been, she's like been around the whole time. <laughs> like, she knows what I've done. <laughs> Well, she even Polgara comments about that. Oh, she says she tells him after he looks guilty. She Polgara tells Balgarath, "You really should have behaved yourself." You know, Mother's very tolerant for the most part, but there were times when she was quite vexed with you. <laughs> so to me, my mind went right to the when they're in the, with the dryads in the forest. <laughs> to name but one instance. Yeah. So. So yeah, so she's just, just pull yourself out of it. Time to get on with this. We've got things to do. And that seems to, he does come around after that. Yes. And he's more back himself and they're ready to go. Yes, he sort of comes, he snaps out of it and he's like, right, I'm hungry. Is there food? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Gary is funny, he says, well, the princess has been doing the cooking. <laughs> you might want to think <laughs> about that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so the next morning they, they ride off and this is really sweet. You know, the poll says, did you thank the trees dear to Sinedra? Mm -hmm. And she's like, yes, just before we left. That's nice. Aunt Paul says, so it's just <laughs> like this little, it's not made a big deal of the fact that Sinedra can communicate with trees, but I really like that she can. And I mean, it's been alluded to a couple of other times when they're in the forest of the dryads and when they were with the one tree you know, Sinedra got all gooey and cooed and, you know, she scrambled up the tree. So there's an obvious connection, but I like that this is like the next step in her, in telling her story of how, how she's connected with them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the blizzard broke and it's broke. Oh, it didn't break. It got worse as they got close to a peak in the mountains. It's this very strange pyramidal peak with very sloping walls and a very steep peak and so there's lots of snow it's a big storm going on and they have to sort of wind their way up so that's Prolgu. Mm -hmm. Prolgu is at the peak of this mountain so they there is a road and they, they sort of go around and round and round up to the peak and when they get up there it's like an abandoned city this old abandoned city and they're not allowed to touch anything like wolf warns them whatever is there don't touch it like broken pots or you know whatever 
don't touch it. It's a very holy place to the Orgos and they believe that everything is supposed to be exactly where it is. And so what did you think of that? <laughs> it was just an interesting experience, I guess, like the description of once they enter the gates and they're inside. Yeah, too. could you picture it? It was really hard. It's it's really hard still for me to get a clear picture of Prague. Yeah, it. I just I don't know. I don't know. I had a hard time too. I was gonna try to compare it to something, but I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> no, I can't think of anything else to compare it to. But I did, I did make the effort this time to really kind of try to focus on the imagery that the, that the author was describing to sort of go, okay, what does this look like, you know? And I think I did, I did a better job than I've ever done before because there were some things that I picked up, like when they go into the, um, the building, like everything is much vaster, like much bigger than I used, than I have previously imagined it, the buildings the roads, the columns, you know, this abandoned place. Like it's, I think previously I've almost been like, like village like that I've imagined it, but it's this huge, massive, these big buildings of stone. Well, what's, what popped out at me was Gary and, and it kind of talks about Gary and observing a little bit. First, it says that it was an alien quality. Yes about the buildings yes then it's noted that the garyan there he said it says he was unprepared for the sloped corners yes of the architecture imagine it like all of the walls are leaning into each other to hold the other walls up like, so rather than being at straight walls with a roof that you put on top and the walls are kind of joined together in a square, they're all leaning together somehow. That's how I see it in my head. But they're huge. Yeah. And the, the comments about for Gary, and again, the complexity of the angles teased at his mind, suggesting a subtle sophistication that somehow just eluded him. Mm. To me, again, I just, I don't know why I keep thinking to the new Indiana Jones, because there's aliens in that one. <laughs> so weird. The crystal, that was the strangest the, movie. The crystal K, the crystal skulls. The skulls, yeah. I felt like there was some kind of architecture in that movie that was, keeps pulling at me, but I don't know if I'm right. Huh. But just the, yeah, like, so this makes you wonder then the all goes exactly what how they are inspired to build the way they did but this was built you know the all goes now are they still in that same do they still have that same kind of knowledge or was that just way back then you know so it'll be interesting to find out <laughs> yes it will and so yeah but yeah i got a much it was a much Everything was much bigger this time. So I got, I think I had a more accurate visualization of what it looks like. And then the fact that they all ride into this building on their horses, 
Let me just make sure. They trudged across a broad street. Trudged suggests they're not on their horses. Are they leading their horses? They led their horses, yes. <laughs> they led their horses back out into the blizzard swept streets. So they, they, they rested for a moment behind a building to kind of shelter a bit. Dernick is very distressed by the fact that there are no <laughs> up and down vertical lines mm -hmm. in the buildings. I suspect I might be having a, a crisis in the nature of Dernick's crisis. Were, would I, were I to walk into this abandoned city? Um, and so they're leading their horses. They walk across a broad street through the deepening snow into a building a bit larger than the ones around it. Okay, so they're leading their horses. They go into a building leading their horses. So it's a big building. It's huge. And it's really quiet inside and you get this sort of sense of sudden peace. Well, I do anyway. A few snowflakes drifting down through the silent air. I get this really kind of eerie sense of I don't know a different kind of space almost mm -hmm. where the storm is suddenly absent yeah and at the center of the floor is is a so it's like another pyramid that mirrors the, the one but it's small Truncated, so it's like if you can imagine the base, a four-foot-high truncated pyramid. So if you took a pyramid, plonked it on the floor, and chopped it off at four feet, so that there's a big flat top. Yeah. Can you picture that? Mm-hmm. That's what it is. That's the stone. And Belgrath warns them, "Don't touch it." Oh, you know what? I've just realised. Hmm. Okay, so. It, the, the buildings are a truncated pyramidal shape. They don't go up to a point at the top. The walls lean against each other, but the, the place where the roof should be has been open to the elements because it's all been abandoned for so long. Aha. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but Belgrath explains that it's not dangerous. You don't touch it because it's holy. They don't want the Ulgos don't want it profaned. They believe that Ul himself placed it here. So what what is all of this talk of holy in the way that the Ulgos believe? What sort of are you getting sort of a, any particular idea about them or what how are you feeling about the Ulgos at the moment? Uh, I just, they feel like they're very spiritual culture, mm -hmm. you know, very in touch with the elements and nature and the spirits, uh, the sky, the stars, probably. Okay. Oh, that's in interesting. That's interesting. Remember that. Okay. <laughs> um, Despite yeah. the fact that they live underground. They do this, live underground. This reminds me of, and most people probably don't know this, unless you have kids, 
but there's a show on Disney Channel called Sophia the First. Very cute show. One of the first episodes was about these little, I guess they were trolls, but they were little, 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 and they lived in caves, but the caves themselves had the stars. So it looked like oh. they loved to stare at, because they weren't allowed to go out to the actual, to the actual sky. It was part of the rule of the kingdom. They had to stay in the cave. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is Sophia like lets them be freed and they go out and see the real stars for the first time. And they're just like, oh my gosh. And they're just in awe of it all. And super cute story, but oh, it reminds me of- very cute. Just reminded of that. Like I could see the old girls being like that. Like they live uh-huh. in this cave, but they only, like maybe the stars are so revered or something like that, that they only okay. see them on special occasions or whatever okay cool i like i like i like what you're saying this is the first (laughs) time though that i've really got a clear picture of the tilting uh the entrance into the caves like all the other times i've been imagining this the stone in the center of the floor like opening to reveal a doorway but it's not it's not big enough so one the back wall of the building about 20 feet out from the back wall, a crack appears in the floor and begins to raise up to reveal the entrance to the caves. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm, I'm like my whole image of this place is much bigger and like, oh, much more kind of fantasy-like, I suppose. Then what and I it have... opens, yeah, yeah. It opens because Balgrath is is banging on that center stone, though, right, with the sword. No, he 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 moves around the stone. He's like, "Don't touch it." And but he's moving around looking for a particular flagstone, and he's and the, he he um, finds one that is a bit darker than the others around it, and. It, He's like, oh yeah, it always I always have to look for this. And okay. he does bang on it with Barak's sword, with the pommel of Barak's sword. Now this struck me a little bit this time. Barak is a giant dude. His sword must be pretty big. Mm-hmm. And Belgrath just takes the sword and bangs on it on this flagstone with the pommel very easily by the sound of it. <laughs> Just struck me that he must be a pretty strong dude. Yeah, he is a sorcerer too. Maybe he just summoned some extra strength in that moment. But I don't think he did. <laughs> I don't know. Could have though. Anyway, that just kind of I was like, huh. Yeah. So then that's the action that opens what Belgrath says is the portal to the caves. <laughs> yes. What? That makes, that's just, it sounds futuristic to me to call it a portal. In oh. My head. oh, yeah. I see a, a portal as a thing that just appears out of nowhere and you pass through it and you're in some other time space. That's just me, though. Portal to Sweden's sure. way in. Yeah. So, yeah, so they have the, the opening comes and the, the crack and the 
and opens the pathway. And then somebody with a deep voice says, Belgarath, and then speaks in some other language. Yes, speaks in the language of the Orgos, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And Belgarath can speak the language, responds, and then Belgarath says, yes, he's invited us into the caves. Shall we go down now? That's the end of the chapter. Yep. Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> you excited for the next I've been one? waiting for this one. You've been this waiting moment. for this. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to your prediction later on in the show. Okay. So now we're up to the magic. So magic. So my magic moment from this chapter is when uh Sinedra, the way she communicates with the trees i really enjoy that because it just reminds me of my wife and the way she communicates with the natural world with trees mm-hmm. and animals and oh you know it's it's really an amazing experience walking in the forest with her she's yeah I can't even imagine what it's like when I'm not there because I am not, um, I don't have that specific kind of shamanic connection with trees and the plants and the animals, but she goes walking by herself and she just becomes the forest. And like, it's very like deer, just kind of, like she has, Mm -hmm. you know, like close encounters with animals and bird all the time. But not when mm. I'm there because I'm too noisy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't walk like I'm invisible and part of the forest. She can. It's kind of amazing. So, yeah, that was just, that's my bit of magic because of that. That's pretty cool. Uh, my magic is Aunt Paul's connection to her mom. Mm. Her mom's spirit, how they've been communicating, even though she's yep. passed on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, reality, well, I guess I just did reality as well, didn't I, with my magic? (laughs) Um, But my real life relating this week is being sensitive to when to hold space and when to challenge. The way that Polgara did with with Wolf. Mm -hmm. You know, she was like, yep, just leave him alone. And then there was a point at which she said, yep, okay, let's go. And that's um, uh, something that I have learned, I've cultivated that. And I use it not only as a, a holistic therapist and, you know, as a teacher, but also just with relationships in general, any kind of work relationship, you know, knowing just having that sense of now's the time to just push back a little bit or, you know, invite forward. That's a good thing. That's a good. What is it even? I guess it's a skill, but it's a good. Yep. Intuitive skill to have. Yep. But still, um, you still got a thing in your eye, darling. I just get like where I have to like rub, and I think yeah. it's just from having glasses on my face, and my face just wants a little rub massage. <laughs> I do the same thing. Are you okay? You had a headache. Have you still got a headache? No, and my head doesn't, it feels actually a little better. I just feel okay. sleepy. But that's kind yeah. of a constant for me. 
Um, what is? My feeling sleepy. Oh, you're sleepy, yeah. Yeah. So my real life relating is um, feeling sorry for myself longer than it's probably needed. I used to do that a lot, like Belgrath does in the, in the chapter. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just, I used to think feeling sorry for myself was the way to get past it, like the way to get attention so that someone else could solve it for me or make me feel better. Yeah. But I know that's not the way now. <laughs> Dang it. That's the way for me when I was young. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Yep, yep, yep. I recognize that. Okay, so what was, uh, oh no, we're up to Prophecy Speaks now, aren't we? Yeah. Great. question this week is how will this writing buddy partnership that I am beginning tomorrow unfold good bad it's distracting is it like what are you doing is it fantastic this is perfect I'd really just like a little bit of guidance before I get too far into it and the book I'm using is London observed stories and sketches by Doris Lessing. Looks like an old book. When was it published? Hmm. First, so copyright 1987. That's a long time ago now. <laughs> I was three years old in 1987. <laughs> oh my goodness, I was probably 13. I was 15. Oh. <laughs> 72, 82, yeah, 15. Yeah. It's my paper bag, waist jeans, high waisted jeans. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, how will my writing buddy partnership unfold? The underground train was full of people. They had had a meal after work or been in a pub. Like Julie, she kept looking at all those faces and thinking, what would you say if you knew? At Waterloo, she sat on a bench near an old man with a drinker's face, a tramp. She gave him a pound, but she was thinking of the dog. She did not have to wait long for a train. It was not full. Surely she ought to be tired or sick or something. Most of all, she was hungry. A great plate of steak and eggs. That was what she needed. And Debbie there, too, eating opposite her. Okay. (laughs) Yes. So, I think this bodes well. I think this is... A forecast for something good mm-hmm. and satisfying and fulfilling. Yeah. And at the end, that last line, and 
she needed Debbie there across from her. <laughs> Eating opposite her. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that did you did anything else come out for you? Should I read it more? That was the biggest part for me was that last line because it's like right now that's what's gonna be good is you need somebody there with you. Yeah. Like I feel and hungry. Guys... I'm empty. Um yeah, and it'll be a good support for both of you to just get back into yeah. that fulfillment that is writing. Yeah. It satiates your hunger. Yes. Because I, I, unlike you, really need that interaction. Like, I like having alone time. That's great. But I, I really need other people. I need that interaction with other people. That fuels me. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Well, we all have to keep us updated. I will. How it goes. I will, definitely. Um, mine, I have to put a TMI warning. I don't know. To me, it's not TMI, but some people it might be. Well, we did talk about pretty much everything on this show. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. Hold on. God. So just so you know, everyone, there's going to be some talk now. So probably lady talk. If you don't like it, you could probably skip ahead five minutes or something. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So I just realized this book has a bunch of pages folded. And I don't think I did that. I, and somebody very special gave me a copy of this that was theirs. It was their mom. So I'm wondering if she folded these pages. Oh. They're important to her for some reason. That's an insight into someone's mind. Yeah. I'll have to go back and check that out. Okay. Well, my question is, I feel, uh, I've already shared that I've been having some like <laughs> kind of personal issues um, with infections in places that are just uncomfortable. <laughs> And so I've been trying to figure out how I can resolve this. Um, and I've been really torn between whether or not getting an IUD with the hormones would be a good thing or not for me mm-hmm. to help this. Cause I feel like my body's changing. A lot of this is hormonal. Mm-hmm. An IUD could help or it couldn't. And I just need some guidance mm-hmm. for me on what it could be. And I'm using the alchemist the book, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. The boy was being paid more money than he deserved because the merchant, thinking that sales wouldn't amount to much, had offered the boy a high commission rate. He had assumed he would soon he would soon return to his sheep. Why did you want to get to the pyramids? He asked to get away from the business of the display. Because I've always heard about them, the boy answered, saying nothing about his dream. The treasure was now nothing but a painful memory, and he tried to avoid thinking about it. I don't know anyone around here who would want to cross the desert to see the pyramids, said the merchant. They're just a pile of stones. You could build one in your backyard. You've never had dreams of travel, said the boy, turning to wait on a customer who had entered the shop. Two days later, the merchant spoke to a boy about the display. 
I don't much like change, he said. You and I aren't like Hassan, that rich merchant. If he makes a buying mistake, it doesn't affect him much. But we too have to live with our mistakes. That's true enough, the boy thought ruefully. Um, uh, I don't know for me the only thing that jumps out was at the end and mm -hmm. it was when the man was saying I don't much like change mm -hmm. um, I feel like I want to ask you to read one more sentence okay Turn the page. I stopped because it was the end of the page. Let me see. Why do you think we should have the display? I want to get, I can't read this. I want to get back to my sheep faster. We have to take advantage when luck is on our side and do as much to help it as it's going, as it's doing to help us. It's called the principle of favorability or a beginner's luck. Okay, that was important to know from what I, from what came through for me. Was but you talk about what's coming through for you. It was just the line of when he said, "I don't like much change." You and I aren't like that rich merchant. If he makes a mistake, it doesn't affect him much. But we do have to live with our mistakes. And the boy basically it was agreeing with that. Uh, uh -huh. But so what does that say to you? So from that, just from that piece without the last bit, I was thinking of um, like he says, we have to live with our mistakes. And it's kind of mm -hmm. like, well, I don't him saying I don't like change jumps out at me because I don't agree with that. I think change is good. Mm -hmm. But also, even if I did try the IUD with hormones and decided it wasn't good, it was a mistake, they can take it out anytime. And the last part, beginner's luck. The last, beginner's luck. <laughs> yes. Because the only reason I'm hesitant is because hormones, I don't know if hormones would be the answer or not, only because I had a bad experience with the birth control pill. But you know how many different types of birth control pills are there? There's so many out there. Maybe I got a bad one. <laughs> uh -huh. Oh, no. Oh, no. My, one of my sisters for years worked with her doctors to get the right birth control, uh, birth control pill because she was trying to manage acne, which was all hormone yeah, driven. That's why I started the, the pill. And that she took, and it it took, them, took them a really long time to find the right combo. It helped my acne, but then my body went all wacky on me, oh. especially once I stopped taking it. Mm. Um, but so what guidance are you getting? I'm, I'm getting that I should just give it a try. Um, puppy. you hear the puppy <laughs> that was funny um 
and that uh, if I decide I don't want to do it, they, they've already told me they can just take it whenever I want it out. I'll just come take okay. it out. And um, I would say that is totally all totally true. I know I had a, an implant in my arm. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. The birth control implant. Here. Oh, okay. And um, my family begged me to have it removed because I turned into a crazy person. Really? Yes. <laughs> Please go and get that out. Okay. Oh, that's so funny how it reacts in different people, right? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, we'll see. They have, I guess, a low dose, one that's just a low dose of hormone, yeah. which is what I would try. Mm-hmm. Um, and I already have a call out. I think they called me while I was right here recording. Ah. A call out to the, those people to ask them some more questions and say, yeah. like, this is all the issues I've been having. What do you think? Is yeah. it and just hear a professional's perspective? And absolutely, absolutely. Ask lots of questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Are you feeling a little bit more settled about that idea? Yeah, I think it's my mind is just getting in the way because I've been feeling like well, of course, the universe. This is what we do. The universe kind of nudging me with this for a while now like mm. iud iud and i'm like why am i thinking about iud right now and then i'm like of course no don't do that hormones bad hormones no because that's what all of the natural uh, not naturopath but the yeah natural therapy holistic, holistic holistic i they, am a holistic therapist and i say to you do what works for you yeah yeah it's just because I really like respected there's two women specifically that are and they're really well known for their books and their you know, stuff and I really respect their everything else I especially want to everything else she has changed my life with her stuff mm. so I really respect her opinion on but you know I could also see her saying the same thing though honestly like you got to do what <laughs> what your body needs so. you could do what you need to do with your body yeah, everything is hormone driven, ultimately. Because right. this is my thought, TMI. I'm just sharing too much now, but I could have this till I have menopause. Mm-hmm. I could keep it in. Menopause happens. They say you can test. They test your blood. They know if you're through menopause. Then have it taken out, and I would probably have much less repercussions hormone wise, because I would already be past that cycle. So in my mind, I'm kind of like, that would be awesome to not have to deal with the bullshit my period gets me every month. Um, and then also, if it is hormonal, then maybe it will help me stop having so many effect- infections if they're hormone related. Look, honey, do, do you are your own little piece of the universe. <laughs> yeah. Do what works for you. All right, I'm going to give it a try. Okay, cool. So prediction. Yes. Last last week I kind of copped out and I said the same prediction because they will arrive at their destination. <laughs> yeah, as I said, they really just need to get there already. Like what's Yes, you were a bit over it all. So they did, they arrived. So I got a little bit right. Next week I'm I'm predicting that they're obviously gonna they're gonna go inside the caves. 
we'll get to see the Olgos. Mm -hmm. I think that there's going to be, I don't know if fun interaction is the right word, but interesting, I guess. Yeah. Maybe a little bit unsettling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and that that me last member of their party they've still been trying to find mm -hmm. maybe down there. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll have to see when we get there mm -hmm. next week. So uh, let's do a quick think about hashtags. Uh, Sinedra in the chapter talks about the pine trees and how they babble a lot. <laughs> Tree babble. Yeah, that's good. Young pine trees babble a lot. <laughs> so we're at the end of the show, listeners. Thank you so much for hanging out with us again for another episode. Yes. And you can use the hashtag tree babble in any kind of post that you want to share with us this week when you listen to the episode. <laughs> Absolutely right. And you'll find all the extended show notes and links to all the things on our website, belgariatandbeyond.goddesskindle.com. So head over there, check it out. Sign up to our mailing list while you're there. Um, you can leave a voice message also. There will be a link in the show notes. And if you want to chat about episodes and connect with other fans of the show and us, you know, you can find us on Patreon. And that means all of you. You don't have to be a paying patron to join us on Patreon. There'll be a link in the show notes. Pop over. There are public posts for every episode now. And I mean, we're still on Facebook and Instagram at the moment at Belgariot and beyond, but we are actively transitioning away from those platforms mm -hmm. in favor of Patreon. And so you can always email us Belgariot and beyond at gmail.com with all of your questions and comments or private chats. If you would rather do it that way. And the Belgariot and beyond podcast is an indie production. The best way that you can show your support is to become a patron. And for $2, you can get access to bonus episodes of Before the Show. This is before and after the show stuff that Alicia and I talk about. The topics are wide ranging. <laughs> and um, if you would like to be a $5 patron, you can get access to uncut video episodes of everything we do. Plus, you get to ask your own Prophecy Speaks questions if you would like to, um, which nobody has yet, but I encourage you, if you are a $5 patron, you can request your own Prophecy Speaks and Alicia and I will do a little reading for you. Yeah, um, that'd be so fun. I'm just waiting for the first one because I want to do that. Yeah, that would be fun. But yeah, so go and check it out on... Um, patreon.com slash Belgariot and beyond. The link will be in the show notes. I hope to see you there. Come and um, have a chat about the episodes. We've got, so we've got some nice little conversations going on over there with our regulars. It's a real, mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, we'll be back next week for another episode. We will indeed. Mm -hmm.